Good morning. How's everybody today? All right. Praise God. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. All right. Uh, let's open up our Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are in chapter 5. Uh, we've been going through the book of Thessalonians now for some time. As uh, those of you that have been with us, we've gone through the New Testament. And here's where we're at. We've been doing this for several years, so it's going to take us some time. Especially like yesterday, uh, excuse me, last Sunday, uh, when I mentioned to you that we go verse by verse, and uh, we we just looked at verse three, and I, I want to just recap a little bit of what we've been doing and uh, go over the uh, the various uh, teachings that we've done as as far as the book of First Thessalonians. Paul is writing to the small church that he had to leave in a hurry. They ran him out of town because he was preaching this doctrine that was converting people and getting people saved. And, and so they, they just didn't like that. So they, they ran him out of town. They persecuted him. They persecuted the church in a sense. And so Paul was concerned about them and he sent Timothy to go find out what was going on. And Timothy came back with a good report. And he says, wow, these guys are growing, man. We only had, what, three weeks, three months. They didn't have much time with them, but they grew. God's word is just like that. Once it is given to you and it is planted in your heart, the Holy Spirit causes it to grow. It has to grow. And these people were just growing. And, and not that they were a huge church, but they were a powerful church. Their influence throughout the community and throughout the world basically was being resounded, as what Paul says, as the sound of a trumpet is the Greek word that he used. It was so loud and so, so real in their lives that people said, man, that's, there's something going on in this person's life. And people were coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when, when Paul got the report, there were some things that Timothy says, you know, Paul, they're, they're kind of concerned about those people that, that they've led to Christ, their loved ones, and they've been dying. And they're concerned because you remember how you talked to them about in, in Zechariah, how Zechariah talks about the day of the Lord, how the, the prophets, they all talk about the day of the Lord. The Old Testament's talked about the day of the Lord. And you said that there was going to be a, a rapture, that there's going to be this taking up of the saints. Uh, and, and, you know, our, our loved ones have died. And, and so how how does that work? And so we went through this a few weeks ago. And again, I'm just going to touch on it. Paul was not trying to write a doctrinal statement on the rapture. However, this is probably about the closest that we can have of an explanation to the rapture with, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. And what Paul is, is basically saying, he's not wanting to teach them doctrine or theology about the rapture, but he's trying to comfort them. This is a pastoral letter and to comfort them. But we, we gleaned a lot out of this portion of scripture, at least for us in our, in our study. And we looked at verse three. Well, first of all, going back to chapter four, uh, verse 13, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed of those who have fallen asleep. Those that have fallen asleep, it's, it's a beautiful picture of what death is like for a Christian. For a Christian, you, you know, it's like a travel. You're going somewhere and you're tired. You want to go home. And the first thing you want to do is you just want to rest. You want to sleep. And for a Christian in life, when death starts to approach, you, you welcome it. You say, it's time. I need to go home. And Paul is trying to comfort them and tell them, you know, this is what it's, this is what it should be like. And it's interesting because Paul uses that phrase, falling asleep, uh, that you may not grieve as others do that have no hope. And we're going to go back and touch on this. Those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died, remember this? We talked about that us, we fall asleep, but Jesus, he died. It was, it was fatal. It was, it was to the end. It was terminal. It was done because he had to die in order to pay for my sin. See, the Old Testament is, it, it, when we talk about the gospel message, the gospel message, and we've seen this before, the gospel of God has always been clear. 
And when these apostles and Paul and everyone else was preaching the gospel, they didn't have the Romans road. They didn't have the four spiritual laws. They didn't have evangelism explosion. They didn't have any of these tracts. They didn't even have the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. And the gospel of God has always been clear. You're a sinner and you're going to die for your sin unless you propitiate, you appease this holy deity somehow. And what God did, he says, I'm going to establish for you the sacrificial system that'll take care of your sin for now. But somebody has to pay or something has to be. And so that's when Jesus Christ came, the perfect sacrifice. It is done. It is finished. He paid for my sin. And beloved, if you're, if you're a Christian, we're going to talk about night and day here in just a little bit. If you're a Christian, you need to live like the day because that's who you are. You cannot be roaming around in the dark because that's not who you are. And I'm not talking about the dark of night. If, metaphorically speaking, it's the darkness of this world and how people just kind of dabble in it and kind of go left and right and they touch on it. And if you're a believer, you got to be a believer. If you were to look up, and I don't know if the tech guy can do this right now, but you know, if you were to look up on Google, or you Google it up and, and find out how many religions are out in the world, you know, uh, you know, and, and I've we've, we've shared this before, you know, to some people, but but you know, you Google it, and you look at it, and what Google has showed me sometimes, and what it's done is is it said that there's at least four thousand five hundred religions in the world. And I don't know how they count that, but the Bible is very clear that, and the Bible will tell you how many religions there are. The Bible is very clear. There's only two. There's only two. There's the lost and there's the saved. There's the believers. There's the unbelievers. There's the redeemed and the unredeemed. There's the children of God and the children of the devil. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There are those that are in Adam and those that are in Christ. There are those who love God and those who hate God. Those for eternal life, eternal damnation. There are those, and somebody eloquently said, there's the saints and there's the ain'ts. And that's it. It's always been that way. And, uh, you, you know, if you look at what Jesus Christ said, there's a good fruit, there's a bad fruit. There's sheep and there's goat. And out of that spawns everything else. There's God and Satan. And so when Paul was proclaiming the gospel message, the gospel of God, he was proclaiming it to people that they knew they were sinners. They realized that when the gospel message was proclaimed that God is holy. And if you've offended a holy God, a holy deity, then something is required of you. Either your life or somebody's life. And the, the message of Jesus Christ has always been about God's grace. And it began in the Garden of Eden. Remember? When God told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, you will die. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a natural punishment. You're going to die. And of course, the deceiver came in and says, you're not going to die. Come on. You just take, just take a little bit. And they took of it. And of course, at that point in time, they did not die. Why? Because God displayed grace. He didn't change his mind. God has always been a God of grace. He covered them. He covered them with the, with, with the clothing, with uh, animal skin. Blood had to be shed in order to take that skin off that animal. God didn't say, can I borrow your coat? No. Blood had to be shed. Now, the fellowship was no longer there. And every time they, they came to God, they had to appease God because they violated, they, they offended a holy God. Beloved, if we walk around offending a holy God, and, and if you cannot get that straight in your mind that that sin has been paid for, and you ought to live in such a way that is worthy, worthy of the sacrifice that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done, then I don't know what else to tell you. Because it's God's word. 
that tells us that Jesus Christ paid for our debt. This night in darkness that we're going to be going over, it's an Old Testament understanding. And again, going back to the Old Testament, if you turn with me to Psalm 107, just, just very quickly. Go to Psalm 107. Uh, you know, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's some pew Bibles there. And, uh, and those Bibles uh, coincide with uh, my Bible here. As far as page numbers are concerned, I'll give you the page number here in just a bit. That's on page 506. But in Psalm 107, the psalmist writes in verses 10 through 12, he writes this, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Verse 12, so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. These people that the psalmist is talking about are people just like us. These are the people that Paul is is reaching. He says, you know, you're in darkness, and God has bowed your heart. God is oppressing and, and causing you to all this pain so you can turn and cry out to God. How many times have you heard people say, you know, yeah, I don't want to go to church. I know I need God, but every time I go to church, it's only because I need God, and I need God. Well, yeah, guess what? God is doing this in your life so you can need Him, not try to do this on your own. And this is an Old Testament understanding from the very beginning. Now, look, go over to verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. You know, this is it. God wants to take you from the darkness, this death. And and he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he has shattered the doors of bronze and cut into the bars of iron. And from the very beginning, there's always been this light and darkness, this uh, night and day understanding of the, the word of God. And, and you, you can probably find many more uh, references to it as well. And when Jesus Christ came on the scene in John chapter 1, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that the Word came to His own, and the light was in the, in the darkness, and the light in the darkness understood it not. And, John, and Jesus says Himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, He says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is an understanding of Old Testament teaching. And the people that, that John, that Jesus Christ was talking to and John is writing about, they understood that. Yes, there is this darkness. And, and I can just say that to you right now. There is this darkness in this world, right? I don't care how bright it gets out there. There's a darkness and you can see it. You can sense it and you feel it. And people are just walking around in the dark like if no big deal. But you and I, we see it because you're children of the light. As a matter of fact, how is it that we get people from the darkness into the light? Well, Paul says this in, in Acts 26, 18. He says that he was sent, he's, as he's given his testimony, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And the testimony that we give, the word that we give, faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. And beloved, if you don't have the Word of God in you, there's nothing that you can give them. 
I don't care how much you try to give them something. If it's not the word of God, they're going to take up whatever word that you might give them. It has to be the word of God and faith is infused through that word. As a matter of fact, in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption from the forgiveness of sins. He, he transferred us. There's this, this act that was done. There was this transfer act. The deed has been paid for. The, the title, it is done. It is finished. Tetelestai. Don't know if you know this or not, but that word, it is finished, the Greek word tetelestai, comes from the, it, they, they use it even now, paid in full. They stamp it on your receipt as you buy a car, paid in full. Tetelestai. It is done. It is paid in full. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Paul is preaching and teaching the people in Thessalonica, talking to them, says, Look, there is this inner peace that you're going to see. In verse 3, well, actually, chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anyone anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. There we go again. He's got that motif going about the night, the darkness, the nighttime. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains comes upon a pregnant woman and they will not cease. Last week we saw this, that the peace, peace that Paul is talking about is the peace that the four horsemen or actually the six seals actually open up. It, it, is, it is the whole discourse of Jesus Christ in, in Matthew 24. There's going to be a man of peace that's going to establish peace. And we went through the whole seven seals last week and we saw the, these, these seven seals with bookends, like Paul, there's going to be peace and there's going to be destruction. You, you saw everything just unfold in just that one verse. The, the One of the, the best concise verses on the end time. Paul is talking about the, the day of the Lord. And then he says in verse 4, he says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Father in heaven, thank you for this portion of scripture that challenges us to look upon our own life and to evaluate, as you have said, as Peter had mentioned to us, that we need to evaluate, to see that we are in the faith, to give us the confidence that we need to live our life in boldness. So Lord, I thank you for this portion of scripture that Paul wrote to the people in Thessalonica that were concerned, and, and they were worried. They were concerned about their own salvation. They were concerned about the rapture and the, the last days and the day of the Lord. They were concerned, as many of us might be, as we wonder and we wander through this world, just looking at various things that are happening. Help us, Father, to get a good grip on what Paul is saying here, at least for our life, and to be able to proclaim it to others, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, 
Amen. When you when we go back to First Corinthians, excuse me, to First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen, it, he says again, "But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those. Look at that, who are asleep, but that they that they uh, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. And for since the since we believe in Jesus Christ, that He died and rose, and and that Jesus God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And and Paul is is basically sharing with them. Look, there, there's some things that you need to know about those that are in the darkness and those that are in the light. Those that are in the light, if they die in Christ, they're going to have eternal life. As a matter of fact, you don't have to worry about them because Paul says they're going to rise up first. <laughs> they're going to go before us. And, you know, but there's people out there that have no hope. Now, and then in chapter 5, he goes on in verse 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains comes upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, something just popped out at me this morning as I was going over this scripture. It's interesting because Paul says, they, them, those, you know, these pronouns, he, she, them, they will not escape. But you, he says, but you, and he makes it personal. You can almost put your own name in there. But you, Sal, you're not a they, you're not one of those. You're not a he, she, him, her. You are Sal, you are the saint, you are the person, you are my treasured possession that I died for. And, and look at this again in chapter in verse three, but they will not escape uh, any of this destruction. But you are not in darkness, you and beloved, I pray with all my heart that the teaching you receive from God's word, that it has made an impact in your heart and it's changed your lifestyle, not just change your activities. A lot of people have heard the word of God and it's changed their activity to come to church every Sunday. You know, at least um, let me do that. Every Sunday I'll come to church and my activity should proclaim to God that I'm a good person, right? And please, don't get me wrong, you, you need to be in church every Sunday. It's like, a, it's like one, one lady says, Mama, you know, Mama, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Yeah, and she says, well, I don't have to have a parachute on and jump out of a plane, but, but it helps. <laughs> it helps. You get the learning, you grow in it, and you develop. You need to develop. You need to grow. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. You see, the very first thing that Paul wants, to, wants us to know is, number one, day people have a new character. Number one, day people have a new character. For you are children of the light. You are children of the day. You are children that profess Jesus Christ. And as the Thessalonians were struggling, like we all do, as they were contemplating, as sometimes we do, they were wondering what happened. Did we miss the day of the Lord? Or, or, or what about our loved ones? And, and when Paul is, is proclaiming this, he says, you know, I want you to know that if, you're, if, if what I hear is correct, because Paul didn't see them anymore after this, if, what, if the stories and, and the, um, the news that I hear about what, what's been going on in your life, if you're growing and you're developing as they, they tell us you're doing, then you're of the light. And we need that reassurance. You see, beloved, many, many people out there are walking as light, but the light is very dim because they're not receiving the daily instruction from God's Word. 
Now, and for some as well, it takes maybe once or twice a month that they come to church on a Sunday. And, and sometimes they wonder, why is it that I thought I was saved? Why, is it, why aren't I victorious? How come I'm not getting over a lot of these things that seem to be happening in my life? And Paul says, because you're not plugged into the light. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a, a light bulb just go really dim on you and you wonder what's going on with the light bulb. But, you know, sometimes you got to take it out and put it in there. You got to get plugged into the source. You got to get plugged into the source. As a matter of fact, John, John says in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. And then verses 4 and 5, he says, in him, in him, Jesus Christ, was the life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then later on, he tells Nicodemus, Jesus does, in verses 19 and 20, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. I don't know if you can remember back uh, when, you were not in, when you were not in Christ, when you were in the world. I don't know if you can remember how, how that felt. You know, you didn't want to be exposed. You didn't want to be around light at any, any way, shape, or form. You liked being in the dark. As a matter of fact, the clubs that were darker, that were the better. The places that you went was at, were at night, you know, because you wanted to hide from whatever was out there to try to convert you or convict you. And you didn't want that conviction. But beloved, we're not there anymore. We want to be in the light. We want to see our face in the mirror that, that James talks about. That the Word of God is like a mirror. You look at it and you say, oh my God, am I ugly. Yeah, well, that's besides the point. You know, that's besides the point. But there's also sin. I can see it. I can see it. You know, beloved, I, I want you to know something. And I don't know if this is going to make sense to you, but it makes sense to me that the closer I get to God, the further, I, the further away I feel. I say, oh God, I just, no, no, don't. Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me because I, I cannot. It, it, I'm like Isaiah. It, woe is me. You know, I'm standing in the presence of God's word and God's word is convicting my heart. Woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Okay, some of you guys, but maybe not all you guys. I live amongst the people. And, and this is my, and God is saying, but I have chosen you. Who's going to go? I'll, I'll go, Lord, I'll do it. Okay. And he cleanses. When you come to know God in such a manner, when you get close to Him, you you recognize your sinfulness. You recognize that, yes, you're saved. And you wonder why. Why me, Lord? Why was I deserving you? Because you weren't. You're not. I chose you from the foundations of the world. You were dead and I woke you up. You, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you had no way of waking yourself up. I had to make you born again. Because the first time it didn't work. So now you got to be born again twice. Now you got to be born twice. And this time, with the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to help you and, and, and grow you, then why do we struggle? Why do we end up in the dark a lot of times? Why do we fumble and stumble? You know? Well, I'm not really waiting for an answer. I was going to get me something to drink. Why you, th- you, con- you contemplate that. The reason we stumble is because we live in this flesh. And because we're sinners. Yes, saved by grace. We live in this flesh, and this flesh wants what the flesh wants. And it's a discipline, a daily discipline to subject the flesh to the Spirit. I crucify the flesh, is what Paul says. I crucify it every day. Every day I have to fight the urge for what the flesh wants. And, and one person once told me, says, well, when is that going to end? I says, well, the day that I stand over your coffin, I will say, he has no more struggles against his flesh. He's done. It will follow you. 
However, I'm going to tell you something, beloved. The more you dive into God's Word, the better equipped you are. The closer you grow to God, the better equipped you are. Jesus said in John 8, 12, and again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You know, you just, you, sometimes you hear some of these people and what they're saying, your mind's got to be very futile. It's wasted. It's like, you know, what, what, you, you must have some delusional problems or something to think that really, you're a cat? You, yeah, I am. I, I, you, you, there's something wrong with you. No, that's just the way I am. You know, you can't tell me, please don't get me started there. Anyways, there, and Paul is saying, don't walk around with these people. Now, some of these people that you might walk around with or the people that you might know aren't to that extreme. But you know what? There's either saints or there ain't. Okay? They're either sheep or they're goats. That's it. And here's an interesting fact, beloved. You cannot convert a goat. A goat is a goat and a sheep is a sheep. And no matter how much you try, a goat's always going to be a goat. And somewhere along the line, God's going to give you the wisdom and the ability to see the difference. And you're going to know that there's times that you just got, you know what? I just got to stop entertaining goats. Somebody asked me once, you know, how come your church isn't so big? It's just because we refuse to entertain goats. I'm here to feed the sheep. That's what you're doing here. I refuse to feed the, I, I refuse to entertain goats. And, and, you know, I mean, I guess we could. We used to once upon a time. We had a lot of people because we were entertaining. And uh, we got to be careful with that because... The Lord said to Peter, as he has said to me, feed my sheep. Okay, Lord. At one time in Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Paul's emphasis has always been walk in the manner that you have been called. Walk in the light. Walk as a believer. Walk, walk, walk. And now he's not talking about your daily walking with the Lord, you know, one, one step after the other. He's talking about your, your character, your composure, who you are, everything that you are. You need to walk in such a way because you see in Ephesians chapter 2, as I said earlier, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. What is in our air besides oxygen? All these signals, uh, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. What is in the air? Everything is in the cloud. Every, well, it can be used for good. You know, it can be. But for the majority of the people that are using it, they use it for evil. And who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan. And it just, it, it, it's no coincidence Beloved, that that's where all our children, all our efforts, and all our people are going to. They're going to the clouds. Everything that God does, Jesus Christ is going to return on a cloud. Jesus Christ ascended on a cloud. And Satan says, hey, I'll make my own cloud. I'll get people to follow me. It's all being laid out. It's all being laid out. Because their nature, uh, the unbelievers that is, they, they have this darkness they're going to be caught off guard. They're going to be caught off guard. They're going to be, it's going to be a surprise to them, like a thief in the night. See, but you don't have to be caught off guard. 
This is why we go over this stuff. This is why Paul says, encourage one another with these things about the end times, about the day of the Lord. Encourage one another and encourage one another. But see, those that are in the dark, it's going to just blow. Whoa, what happened? You know, in the, in the days of Noah, right before the flood, everybody was marrying and partying and having a good time. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like they didn't have the word. Noah kept preaching and proclaiming to them, you know, repent. But they were the only ones that, that uh, actually committed their life to Christ and, or to God. And, and knowing that there was going to be a perfect sacrifice somewhere in the future. Then knowing that God was working something and it took Noah 120 years to build this ark and people were just laughing at him until finally the last day God closed the door. People are mocking Christianity. You guys keep saying that Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ, you guys have been saying it forever. Well, keep mocking, keep laughing because it'll happen. It will happen. And it's going to surprise many of the children of the dark. You see, we're not of that darkness, Paul says. Number two, day people have a brave conduct. Day people have a brave conduct. What do I mean by that? The phrase, so then, emphasizes that there's a link. You know, you are, you are okay, number, number uh, verse 4, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light. So then, let us not sleep. What happens at night? People sleep. They, they, they slumber. And there's a lot of people just walking around asleep with their eyes closed. They, they're not seeing the signs. They're not seeing what God is, 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 is putting out there. They're, 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 they're not sober. We'll talk about drunkenness here in just a bit. Paul is exhorting them to live consistent with his new character. He says, you got this new character, this new nature. You, you've got to live according to that new nature on what the, the word has been taught to you and proclaimed. And this letter that went to the people in Thessalonica, and, and we know that they had a hard time putting this into practice because Paul wrote another letter, which we'll get into as soon as we're done here. Well, you know, the next letter is 2 Thessalonians. And in that letter, Paul talks more about the second coming, the day of the Lord, more than he does here. But what he's, what he's referring to, he says, he says then, look, I, I want you to understand that th- those that are in them, them, so let us not sleep as they do. Let us not sleep as, they, as those people do. And others, but let us keep awake and be sober. Those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Paul says to them, he says, you know, there's a lot of things that happen at night, and it's intentional. And things that people wouldn't do in in the daytime. However, and just recently, it just seems to be that it doesn't matter anymore. Night or day, whenever. I I woke up one, one day, and I was on my way over to the gym at like 5.30 in the morning. And, you know, here's a bunch of people just... I don't know. Maybe they were getting ready for work, but it really didn't look like it. You know, just standing in the corner, just hanging out, you know, like they must be going to work somewhere that requires them to wait there. I don't know, but they're up all night and then all day. And it's, and it's not just those that are on the streets. Beloved, those that do the, the deeds of darkness, they do it in the day as well. And they're open about it. As a matter of fact, we pay money sometimes to go see it happen in shows and theaters. We pay money to, to have it streamed into our homes, to show, to watch the things that ought not to be done. There is a stance that every believer must take somewhere. Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner 
worthy of the calling. You've been called. You've been called because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, and he called you. And Paul says, I want you to walk worthy of that calling. It wasn't just bought with silver or gold or with perishable things, but with the precious blood of Christ. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. That's how deep the Father's love is. To hold Jesus Christ responsible for my actions. And Christ on the cross, God just unleashed the the sin of the whole world upon him. And it was such a cataclysmic event that the, the world shook. Dead people came out of the tombs, walking around. It, 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 the, the, the sun went dark. It, it was such a, a, an event, a, a humongous event, a huge event, that it just caused all kinds of havoc throughout the world. And so Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.11, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Children of the night and of the darkness are not surprising to find them asleep in spiritual indifference, in not wanting to, eh, whatever, you know. It, it's... it's it's not, it's not uncommon to find them thinking, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll read it next time. You see, when, when you understand that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for you, I, what I did is I, I want to do more. I, I want to give my life. What, what, can I, what more can I do? It's already been done, I know, but what can I do to serve you, Lord? I, I want to do something with my life because my life no longer belongs to me. It belongs to you because of what you've done for me. Paul says in Romans 13, 12 and 14, he says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or in sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know, this is an interesting verse and I like it because right away it talks about things that orgies, drunkenness, eh, maybe, you know, but I'm not doing that. Sexual morality, of course not. Sexuality, no, you know. But then he throws in there some things that maybe some of us get caught up in, like quarreling, jealousy, backbiting, dissension, those types of things. You know, there's some obvious things that we should not be doing, but it's the things that are not obvious within our heart. Covetedness, jealousy, rage, anger, things of that nature, things, uh, fear, mistrust, lying, things that some people don't even know. Paul throws these in there because he says, you know, it's those obvious things that I'm sure you've already taken care of, but there's some things that you also need to look at as well. You see, in Titus chapter 2, Titus tells us that for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, in this present age. You know, a lot of people say that, you know, I, I can keep my own self-control. I can do it myself. I, you know, it's just a matter of discipline. I can control my thoughts. I can, no, you can't. You can't. If you could have, you'd have done so a long time ago. The Bible tells that it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one is self-control. You want self-control? You have to have the fruit of the Spirit. How do you get the fruit of the Spirit? By becoming a new creation, by being a person of the day, of the day and not a person of the night. 
I'd like to share something with you here. Just uh, if turn to First Peter with me. First Peter is very simple to find. It's right next to Second Peter. Uh, it's actually it's it's a little bit closer to um, the end, um, and it's right after the James, Hebrews and James. And if you're in one of the pew Bibles, it's on page ten fifteen or ten fourteen. First Peter chapter one. Um, you know what? I steered you wrong. It's Second Peter. Now, now you can find Second Peter because it's right next to First Peter. Second Peter one, three through eleven, and it says this: <clears throat> His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us. His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying here, he says, look, you have this doubt. You have this fear. You have, you know, am I really saved? You know, how, how, how can I prove that? How, how do I know? How do I know if I'm saved? You know, how do I know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer? You know, I go to church and, you know, pastor, I, I don't actually read the Bible all the time. And, and I try to. And, how do I know? How do I know that that's how I'm growing? Well, you got to remember, they didn't have a Bible back then either. They didn't have an actual book that they could actually read, but they, they got together and they, they learned about God's Word. They became disciples. They became disciples on a regular basis. And Peter, you know, if you remember anything about Peter, he was the loudmouth liar, remember? He's the guy that told Jesus, I'd never betray you. I, I, would, I would always defend you. And what did he do? He betrayed him three times. You know, he was the one that, you know, well, I'm going to cut this guy's head off. And the guy just turned and cut his ear off instead. And I, I, you know, so here's Peter, brash, obnoxious, loud, uh, you know, a liar. And here he is saying, you know, we, we need to be... We need to be calmed down a little bit. Uh, we need to calm down a little bit. You gotta, you gotta understand that his divine power is granted to us all these things that pertain to life and godliness. He's, he's made us, and what we need to do, he says, if you are doing these things, he points out, if these things are happening in your life, and we're gonna go over that list again. Because um, he's already granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature. And then in verse 5 he says, For this very reason, because God has already made us children of the day. We're already children of the light. And so we're wondering, we're fumbling through this world. You know, we're trying to find a place to, to serve or to, how to serve. And am I really saved? And you have all these things that Satan is just throwing at you. And here's what Peter says that we can, uh, can show you that you are walking in his faith. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. 
Okay, you say you have faith. Okay, now you have to be virtuous. In other words, you've got to do things that are good, things that are uh, noble, things that are uh, of, of good standing. You know, a, a person of faith is going to try to do the right thing all the time. And the right thing all the time sometimes is the hard thing to do. And it's only hard because of the way that we've done things in the past. A virtuous person would not, um, I would say, would not cheat on his taxes. A virtuous person would not, uh, you, you know, uh, do things under the table. A virtuous person would probably not say things that aren't right. Lie. A virtuous person would be somebody that, that would try to do the best they can because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. Virtue has to do with your, your, uh, your lifestyle, your, uh, inab- your ability to maintain your virtue as far as your um, sexual immorality and all those other things as well. But, but virtue goes deeper into your, your life and, 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 and really covers a lot of things. With, and then he goes on to say, with virtue, um, add knowledge. And virtue with knowledge. In other words, get to know the Word of God. Understand the Word of God. Understand God's word, you know, because knowledge is good, but, you know, with knowledge, you need to add self-control. See, if you're virtuous, if you're trying to do things the right way, even though sometimes it's not the easiest way, self-control, knowledge and self-control, if you know that the Bible says do not lie, then don't do that. Have self-control not to do that. But what about if it's a little white lie? Well, (laughs) a lie is a lie, right? If it ain't the truth, it's a lie. That's all there is to it. You know, either either you, you, you do or you don't. I mean, you can make all these excuses and grays and whatnot. It's, it's either black or white. Add self-control. And with self-control, add steadfastness. In other words, you don't just stick to it. Stand firm. Let nothing move you because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Steadfastness. You know, and there's storms that are going to come. God gives and He takes away. And I'm going to bless his name whether the sun is shining down on me. And I'm going to bless his name whether I'm walking through the desert places. And I'm going to bless his name because I'm going to stand fast. And in spite of all the things that are going on in my life and in the world and in, in the things that have, you know, I, I, I can't blame God. God is working through you and he wants you to stand firm and stand fast. And with steadfastness, godliness. You know, we need to be godly. What, what's that mean? Well, like we need to be like God. God is holy. And he says, you know, be holy like I'm holy. Now, you can never be perfect. You can never be pure. But you know what holiness means? Holiness means that you're not uh, the same as everyone else. Holiness in the Old Testament is being, um, is being uncommon. Mo, uh, God told Moses and the Levites, tell the Levites to teach my people the difference between holiness and commonness. The opposite of holy is not unholy, which it is, but the opposite of holy is common. I want you to be separate, different. And he told Moses, I'm giving you these parameters. This is how you're supposed to circumcise your children. These are the foods you're supposed to eat. These are the festivals you are to keep. This is how you're doing the sacrifices. This are your parameters. You are going to be different, holy than the rest of the people. People are going to come up to you and ask you, why do you do that to your children? Why do you guys eat that kind of food? Why don't you eat this kind of food? Why do you, you know, sacrifice and celebrate? Because we are different. God gave us parameters. God has given you parameters. And you are separate. You're different. You're not like the rest of the world. You're not like them. You are different. And, uh, and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Paul basically lists out here just a few things. He says, you know, you, you want to check yourself? Here's how you do it. You add these things to your daily walk. 
Brotherly love. Oh, you know, and don't just say, I love you, brother, but really show it. Mean it. I, I like the fact that, um, that when we go out to restaurants, well, let me just, let me back up a little bit. I just got some testimony of some, uh, some of my brothers that went on a bike ride. They, you know, it was like 10 days. What was it? I don't know. Rob, 10 days? Yeah, almost two weeks. Anyways, along the way, you know, they stopped at hotels and restaurants and, and stuff. But along the way, they asked people, what can I pray for you for? And not only did they, were they able to pray for them, you know, because that was, that was in their heart, they also left the waitresses a, a, a generous tip. Not only did they say, I love you, but they expressed it tangibly. What an awesome testimony, right? Wow, those, you know, Christians usually say, I'll pray for you, and they walk away. But these brothers, they actually prayed for me, and they tipped me. One lady came back and says, you don't, you don't realize how, how, what this means to me. You know, is we've been struggling, and this is perfect. And, and you show that brotherly love to those that are around you, and uh, you add love to that. And, and but see, here's the thing that I was trying to get at: for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. There are a lot of people walking around that don't know, don't realize, don't care that they've been cleansed from their former sins. Okay, thank you, Lord. I'll be back next week. I'll see you at Christmas and I'll see you at Easter. You know, don't expect nothing else from me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. This is not you've lost your election or you've lost your salvation. What Peter is trying to get across here is you need to check yourself. If you want, if, if you are in fear, if there's things that are going on in your life that you're wondering, why are these things happening to me? Well, then are you doing these things? Check yourself. This is a good checklist to have, you know, memorized. And have this checklist, you know, am I, am I doing these things? Am I adding virtue and, and discipline? Am I doing these things that, uh, that, that, that Paul is talking about so that I can stay away from these sinful desires? Am I, is my faith growing with virtue? Is my virtue growing with knowledge? Is my knowledge growing with self-control? Is self-control with steadfastness? Is steadfastness with godliness, godliness, brotherly affection? And with brotherly affection, love. Am I displaying those things? Because when you are busy about doing those things, you, you, you're going to grow. You will be effective, not ineffective. So Peter says, check yourself. Check yourself. Because otherwise, we're walking around nearsighted and blind. Though it is not possible for the day people to be caught off, uh, caught off guard in the, uh, in the day of the Lord, it is possible for those of us that are sinning to lose the assurance that we have and build this fear within our lives. And that assurance sometimes can stop you if you don't have it. You know, I, I, I think I'm saved. You know what, beloved? I know I'm saved. And that's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I read the Word of God. It's because of the promise that Jesus Christ gave me, that you commit your life to me, you shall be saved. The last thing I want to share with you. you know, I'm going to, well, here, let me just go over these points here. Day people can always trust God's person. Okay? Days people can always... Is it time to go? Okay, I don't know. I hear an alarm. It's time to go. Almost. Day people can always trust God's person. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Day people can trust God's power. God, day people can always trust... Abraham rhetorically asked, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
You know, if God can do it, I mean, if God can't do it, it can't be done. Day people can trust God's promises. In Numbers 23, it says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and uh, has he said and will he not do it or has the spoken or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? Basically, what Moses is saying, God holds on to his promises. And when he said that you're saved, you're saved. Day people can trust God's plan. Also, henceforth I am here, there is none who can deliver from the hand. I work and who can turn it back. And the last thing I want to share with you is that day people have a bold confidence. For God has not destined us for wrath. Now there are people, and we talked about this during the rapture, uh, the, when we talked about uh, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4.13, there are people that believe that the rapture is going to happen during the tribulation. There are people that, are going to ha- that believe that it's going to happen after the tribulation. And, you know, to, to say that is saying, well, didn't God just tell us that God did not destine us for wrath? See, wrath, God's wrath is going to be poured out against the ungodly. Now, there's going to be people there that are going to get saved during the tribulation, but the church gets raptured prior to the tribulation, and we call that a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, there's people that believe that there's a mid-tribulation rapture, and then, of course, the post-tribulation rapture. But, but the way I read Scripture with this verse as well, that God has not destined us for that wrath. Now, that's not, that's not our part. That's for the ungodly. That's for those in the dark that don't want anything to do with God. That's where God's wrath is going to be displayed. When you share the gospel with people, and you tell them that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you, and you tell them that, you know, you're a sinner and God's wrath is upon you unless you repent. And it's always been the same message. You repent. Jesus Christ came preaching a gospel of repentance. He came preaching the kingdom of God and repentance. John the Baptist, he said, repent and show fruits of repentance. The apostle Peter, when he was preaching the gospel message, uh, gave the whole history of Israel at the day of Pentecost. And as they were confronted <clears throat> with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, you, he says, handed them over to our leaders and they murdered him. And they were cut to the heart and they said, what shall we do? And he says, repent. He didn't ask them to raise their hand. Come forward. I see that hand come over here. Okay. No, he didn't. He didn't. It wasn't a suggestion. No, please accept Jesus Christ. No, it was a command. You repent, you repent, and you repent. And when that happens in your life, when God has changed your life, everything changes. You have this confidence. You should have this confidence. Day people have a bold confidence of their salvation because God has not destined you for wrath, but obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, not the same kind of sleep that he talked about a little while ago. He's talking about the sleep of, you know, dying in Christ. We might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We repent, we repent. You see, 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life, He does not come into judgment. You don't have judgment. Amen. Yay. (laughs) I like that one. That's, that's, a, that's a modern version of amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. But has passed from death to life. Your life belongs to Christ. 
Paul is saying, you know, I, I'm not really too sure what you guys are concerned about. You, you know, and, and, and I understand that all these things that are happening to you, they were being persecuted. Paul left them, and they're yelling at these people, saying, Paul left you guys. He came over here, stirred all this trouble, and left you guys here to suffer this consequence. And they were just steadfast. They were going strong. They kept preaching the gospel. But yet they kept thinking, yeah, there, there's something wrong. It's just, it just doesn't feel right. doesn't matter how you feel, brother. It doesn't matter, beloved. It don't matter how you feel. It's what you know. I know that your feelings, they can change you all over the place. When John the Baptist was arrested and he was in prison and he didn't know how long he was going to be there. He didn't know that he was going to get executed. He got beheaded a little bit later. His disciples came to him and says, hey, you know what, uh, John, this Jesus, he's, he's healing. He's, he's doing these things. He's baptizing. And, and John says, well, go up to him and ask him if he is the Christ. If he is the one that we are to be waiting for. And his disciples came and they asked, John wants to know if you're the one that we're supposed to be waiting for. And Jesus tells that disciple, go tell John, go tell John this, that the dead are raised, the lame are walking, the blind see. And then in that doubt that John had, in that doubt and his despair in dungeons, Jesus said, out of all the men born of woman, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But he just doubted you, Jesus. He wasn't too sure. Yeah, it happens. It happens to the best of us. It happens. But Paul is saying here, you need to confirm and have this bold confidence that, yes, we're going to go through stuff, but you're not destined for wrath. You're not destined for it. Amen. Thank God. Amen. And, and, and ultimately, when Paul is sharing this with the people in Thessalonica, he's sharing it with us and saying, you know, I understand. I, I can't even pretend to say that I do understand your struggles. You know, and I don't want to belittle your struggles and your, your pains and all that you've gone through. But one thing I know is that you're not destined for wrath because that wrath was taken care of on the cross. God just unleashed your part of the wrath on Jesus Christ. It's been done for. There is no double jeopardy. It's taken care of. Now just go and make disciples. Let me ask you to stand. There are promises of God because of what He's done for us. And there are warnings as well. Promises and warnings, promises and warnings. And we need to hold on to those promises, especially in this dark age. And during this dark age, we need to understand that we are children of the light. And bottom line, Paul is saying, then act like it. If you're a child of the light, act like it. Then do what people of light are to do and stop hanging around with the darkness you don't belong there repent repent to come to know what Jesus Christ has done for you Father in heaven I thank you once again you've given us clear direction and you've given us clear uh, understanding of your word as to what is to take place and Father it's now uh, what we do and Father, I pray that you give us, uh, Holy Spirit, the power and the ability to, to carry this out. It sounds good and it's great and it's good to hear. It cuts to the heart of the matter. But we know that there are just night and dark and light and life. And so, Father, it's dark and light. That's what we have. And we are children of the light, so we ought to act like it. I pray that each person comes to an understanding 
that we all come to a place where we can repent of our sinful lifestyle and turn to you and recognize that you are the answer to all our situations. So, Father, once again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for how you uh, just showed us through Paul on what he's trying to teach the people in Thessalonica. And he's trying to teach people here at North Park as well. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. And amen. I'll be up here for a moment if you'd like to come up for a word of prayer.